Hi, my name is JL Hancock. I am an author, consultant, and mentor for tech startups. Um, I'm also the, I used to work at the headquarters of the U.S. SEAL teams as the head of innovation, where I became a subject matter expert in autonomous robotics, uh, 5G and AI and the like. And then today uh, you can find out more about me at my website at jlhancock.com. And you can also pick up a copy of my most recent techno thriller called The Hawk Enigma. Uh, in today's segment, I'm going to be talking about uh, generative artificial intelligence and what that means and what different ways you can employ it and a bit of its history. So generative AI is not something that's entirely new. It's just something that's come out a lot in the news because of a particular tool that probably everyone has heard about at this point in time called ChatGPT. Uh, ChatGPT is a form of transformer, which um, allows you to translate text and speech in near real time. And um, it's basically uses models of language to learn context and meaning by closely, by closely tracking relationships and sequential data. Now, what that means is they take a whole bunch of information, specifically like a whole bunch of, uh, actually specifically, they took 45 terabytes of language and they were able to create models of the ways that speech was conducted, the content of the information inside of there to create context. And what generative AI does is it takes a snapshot of all of that information and creates a baseline model and then uses that model to literally create new content. Generative AI can be used for voice. It can be used for text. It can be used for uh, imagery, like still photos, as well as for video. And commercial companies are making variants of each and every one of those things right now. Uh, one of the benefits of that is you can go in there and from Im information prompts, you can just go in there and say, I want you to write me a paper comparing uh, Dante's Inferno with Hamlet. And it will output a result that might even pass some most English classes. The thing is about generative AI, though, because of the fact that it is uh, a machine learning system that uses a neural network to train a, based on a trained model to output information. It's flawed because it only knows what information it was given it, and it requires feedback constantly to learn about how that works, which is really one of the benefits of, how, of, of the system coming out now is that people can constantly give it feedback to make it better. The question comes up then, do you really want generative artificial intelligence better? And the truth is actually, yes. Now, it, it, the ability that generative AI has to revolutionize the way that we process information is very similar to the way that something like a search engine like Google changed the way that we accessed information. Before Ask Jeeves or Google or AOL or Yahoo or whatever one you used back in the day, you had to use the Yellow Pages or the Encyclopedia or some other way to look up information, go to the library. Now all that's at your fingertips. What generative AI means is that not only can you search for information, but you can gain better context much more quickly. Now, here's the drawback. The, the generative AI example I gave you with ChatGPT works really well if the person manipulating it already has a strong understanding of the topic. So in classes like English or whatever, where you are able to creatively come up with different associations and metaphors and pontificate on a particular subject, there's a little bit more uh, leeway left or right as to how you write that. However, in scientific papers or journalism, you can't rely on an AI model to completely write it because a lot of times the context is wrong, but the format of it would pass as something that is real. 
And in that particular case, you need somebody who truly understands the content to be able to create a good product out of it. On the other end, when it comes to this creative aspect, tools that are using uh, these particular images of like art, for example, allow end users to basically manipulate any type of uh, image based on their favorite artist. Well, some of the companies that are making this generative AI are actually getting into lawsuits now because the techniques that are being employed by these artists are not only proprietary, but they are unique to that individual and it's their very lives, their livelihood. Also, did the companies that built these models request permission to even use the images to begin with? And in certain cases, they didn't. So whether you agree with the fact that you want the ability to gain access to and manipulate and create new images on your own is almost is almost a moot point when it comes to the fact that these systems are able to just completely replicate um, everything that somebody else has already done. Now, how, when I say that, the only reason why these systems are able to do that is because they have a really large base of information or example models to pull from. Uh, you may remember a while back, a lot of different types of deep fakes were coming out, specifically like videos of Tom Cruise or Morgan Freeman saying things that they never said. And you look at the video and it looks real. Well, the only reason why they were able to make those initially is because there was so much imagery of Tom Cruise and Morgan Freeman online that they could gain access to and train the model off of. Data is the foundation of any of these capabilities. But that's also why when you start getting into much more abstract concepts or abstract capabilities, these models start to fall apart is because there's not a good foundation for it. And I've said this in other, in other uh, commentary that I've given before, but anytime you're dealing with statistics or machine learning, it's all about data and it's all about content, uh, the amount of content that you create and how you can build off of that. So one thing to keep in mind is with these, with these different systems, it's all about how you manipulate it. But really at the end of the day, you can never supplant subject matter expertise and context in the way that we understand something abstractly as a human with one of these basic tools. Um, so I hope you gained a lot, gained um, something out of that information on generative AI. Once again, my name is JL Hancock. Uh, I'm the former, uh, I worked at the headquarters of SEAL teams as the head of the innovation directorate. Now I work as an author, author and a mentor. You can find more about me on my website at jlhancock.com and uh, pick up a copy of my book, The Hawk Enigma. Thanks.